So Money, Episode 738, Barbara Corcoran. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome back to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Our guest today needs no introduction. She had 22 jobs by the age of 23. She built a $5 billion business with a $1,000 loan. She's a shark on ABC's Shark Tank, and she's the host of her new podcast called Business Unusual with the one and only Barbara Corcoran. She's on So Money today. This is a huge deal for me. You know, I've been, have had the privilege of interviewing Barbara many times over the the years. And every time I get goosebumps, every time I get a little nervous, I get butterflies in my stomach. Is she going to like me? And that's why I think I love her. She's the real deal. And on our show today, she talks about Oh, you know, childhood goes down memory lane and talks about the impact that her mom had on her relationship with money today as an adult woman. She talks about why she felt lost the moment that when she sold Corcoran real estate, her real estate empire for $66 million. And this was a little self-indulgent, but I had to ask her about Dancing with the Stars. Some of you know that this show is sort of my pipe dream to be on this show and dance my tail off. That's kind of what I want to do. It's really why I'm doing anything at this point. It's so I can get out there and someone will notice me at ABC and put me on stage. It's a pipe dream. I get it, but it's fun to think about. Anyway, I had to ask her about it because she was on Dancing with the Stars. So she indulged me and told me the most ridiculous story, (laughs) which is at the very end of the podcast, if you want to fast forward it to there. But really, this is an episode not to be missed. If you listen to anything this week, and I know a lot of you try to listen to at least one or two episodes per week, make this the episode you definitely reserve for the week. Here is Barbara Corcoran. Barbara Corcoran, welcome to So Money. I'm so excited to connect with you here. I'm so happy to be here. I've been waiting for this call all day. Good. I'm so <laughs> glad. That makes that means a lot to me. You know, I've interviewed you for Yahoo, CNBC. We've been on panels together on the Today Show and Bloomberg. So it's really special to have you now on my podcast, especially. Nice, but I miss your great face. I want you. To oh. Well, we'll have to get together again soon. I mean, but this is great timing because you've actually launched your own podcast called Business Unusual. Um, so at least now we have something in common. That's true. Well, we're both pretty before all this, by the way. <laughs> we have our good looks. Yeah. Um, well, why a podcast, Barbara? I'll tell you why. Um, I've done uh, a lot of TV work, as you know. I've written books, and uh, that's a great experience. But there's something about a podcast that feels so personal. I almost feel like it's similar to a love letter. Like it's just me, one-on-one, talking to you. And I know that's not the case, but I put those earphones on, I start talking, and I feel so cozied up like I have a special person right there, and it's all about them. 
what keeps you going? Because you've got the Shark Tank show, you have your investments. Obviously, after the show, you go and you be that investor. You are that shark. And then you have all your other projects. You're constantly doing media. Are you cloning yourself? Like, how is it? (laughs) No, you know what I love? I love change. That's why I've always had my own business. When you're in your own business, you're the lead dog. You're going to see all the best views on the front side. And for me, I love causing change just because I'm curious. Oh, I wonder what that's like. I'm jealous. Like I saw your great success with your podcast. I'm like, I'm jealous. Why should she have a podcast and not be so motivated because I'm competitive? But more than anything, I want to see how much I could pack in. I don't want to die and think, oh, I wish I should. I could have. I'm like too greedy. I just want to experience it all and see where it all goes. And it doesn't even have to succeed. I just have to get there and see what it's all about. You heard it here first, everyone. Barbara Corcoran is jealous of I am of you. (laughs) (laughs) I was listening to your podcast. It's very good. And I love that it is, you know, this sort of five minute storytelling that you do that's uh, sharing a lot of your personal experiences and insights as an entrepreneur. And one of the things you talked about was that the only business guru that ever mattered to you was your mom. How so? It's really true. Well, because I got lucky. I got a great mom and my mom uh, would have been a phenomenal business person or she would have done well with anything. She raised 10 kids on a shoestring budget. She got all her 10 kids in a two bedroom flat with one bathroom. That alone is a feat worth bragging about, wouldn't you think? But my mom was very efficient. Uh, she knew how to make easy work of a lot of work. She never laid down. She never stopped working. The very first time I ever saw my mother on her back was at her funeral. As weird as that was, right? Kind of like I realized I never had. Uh, But here's the thing. Uh, My mom gave practical advice, how to get it done type advice. And so I kind of just took whatever she taught me and brought it to the workplace. And it worked like a dream. It's just about getting stuff done business, you know, and making people around you happy so they're willing to play with you. And uh, that uh, my mother uh, was the smartest person I've met in that whole arena of life. 10 kids on a shoestring budget. You know, our sponsor here for the show, Chase Slate, found that. Over 50% of parents have had a conversation about money with their children. Did your mom ever have a conversation about money with you? Constantly. And the two things we all heard uh, growing up under her wing was uh, money was meant to be spent. That was her attitude. Money's meant to be spent. And when my dad got fired from his job, which happened probably, I'd say, every eight to nine months, because of insubordination, in hindsight, I think he should have been in business for himself, but couldn't afford to be with all these mouths to feed. But when he got fired for insubordination, uh, he would just say, I told that boss where to take his job and shove it. That was my dad's attitude. Then my mother would have to figure out how to keep us fed and clothed, right? Mm-hmm. Until he landed another job. So for most kids, that would be a tragedy and a, a sense of panic in the family. But my mother used to say, I'm not worried about money. It all works out. And that was her belief. And it did always work out. The greengrocer, Bubsy, who loved my mother, I think he should have married her, honestly, used to keep delivering the groceries until my dad picked up the next job and could catch up. And everything kind of worked out. I do remember I was almost going out of business in the second real estate recession I was living through. And my mother sensed the angst in my voice when we were just talking one night on the phone. And she stopped and said, wait a minute, you're not worried about money, are you? And I go, yeah, I have like 400 people. I owe Citibank this. I owe the advertising company that. Mom, I don't think I could even stay afloat. Of course I'm worried about money. And she said, what a waste of time. And you know what? I swear to God, I think it cured me. My shoulders went down. I thought, yeah, what a waste of time. I just went back to the metal, pushing like crazy, and somehow it all worked out. The mind is everything. 
it's not everything. It's a start point. The mind frames where you're going to go, and then your effort and hard work ethic gets you there. But if you don't have the right frame of mind and you don't really have the attitude of belief, uh, how do you even work hard? Nobody wants to work out at hard something they don't believe in. So it starts with the mind, but it finishes with the legs. No doubt in my mind about that. You were also talking on the podcast, your podcast, Business Unusual, that you know after 25 years of building Corcoran Real Estate, which then you sold for, I think it was $66 million. Mm-hmm. Cash right? is a key line, the cash. Cash. Yeah, yeah, that goes in the bank. <laughs> that would have been a good day to go to the ATM. I'm sure you did that. I did go to the ATM, <laughs> and I didn't know where the cash was. When I got my receipt out, I was almost had a heart attack because I saw $44 million in my checking balance. I go, oh, that's where the money went. And then I got the rest of the remainder about three months sense. <laughs> oh, good, good, good. Yeah, that's a lot to be wondering where that is. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. You said after that experience that you did feel lost. You felt like nothing exciting was ahead of you. So what changed? Well, I felt lost because I had sold my family. I had seen it as selling a business and I had become the number one broker in New York, which was my goal. And I just had a baby at 46 and I was finding that I couldn't be a super mom and a super mom in both places. And so it seemed so logical and such a quick decision to just decide to sell. Boom, perfect time to sell. Let's get out of here. Okay. And fortunately, I found a buyer right away. But what went awry after that was uh, my lack of giving thought to what I was going to do with the rest of my life. I really thought I'm a pretty good pasta maker. I'll take uh, lots of Italian cooking classes and really widen my arena of pasta making. I swear that's about as far as I thought. But one class into it, I realized this is not going to fulfill me in any way, anywhere soon. And so I had to sit down and figure out what I want to do with myself. And that's when I came up with the idea that I would repackage myself. Some people call it reinventing. I call it repackaging. What did I know? I knew real estate, New York, that's all I knew. I knew how to build a business. So I decided I might go in and become a business expert. Uh, But nobody really saw me as that. They saw me as a real estate lady. So I became a real estate expert in the midst of the real estate bubble, knowing full well that bad news prints. Bad problems with real estate, and I talked about it week in and week out at the Today Show. And eventually that led to Shark Tank, fortunately, and they picked me up for that show. And I've been there nine years ever since, which has been just as much fun as building my Corcoran Group business because I'm building all these other businesses. 70 to date I've invested in and probably of those still standing are probably 15 that work day in and day out with all of those entrepreneurs and I love it. They're my new family. Your co-shark, Mr. Wonderful, has said that his Mm -hmm. most successful businesses through Shark Tank have been female-led businesses. Has that been your experience too? You know, I wish I could say that. I didn't know that uh, Kevin even said that. I'd like to check that out. I'm going to actually call him right after you hang up with me. Um, No, I have not found that. I have found the opposite. And believe me, I'm trying to figure out why that is. I would say that every one of my successful businesses are partnerships, meaning two people instead of one. And of course, I'm attracted to that. Uh, It's like two people for the price of one when I invest in a business. I hedge my bets, you see. So partnerships I do very well with, and except for one, every one of them are two men leading the business. So go figure that out. And among all the women I've invested over time who are in partnership or on their own, I can't honestly say that I've had a success. Isn't Hmm. that weird? So I'm going to have to... uh, trade businesses with Mr. Wonderful. I yeah. Think. So I'd much rather be working with the girls than the guys. <laughs> 
We actually had Cousins Maine Lobster on this podcast, episode ah. 726, not too long ago. You had mentioned that what gets them going is really their competitiveness is what's Ooh, been... Mm. Yeah. I think they also are competitive amongst themselves a little bit. Isn't You spotted that, didn't you? It took me a while to see that. They're both groveling for the mic and saying one more clever thing more than the other guy. Did you notice that? I did. I, and, that, and so much so that I tried to not... Um, give any one of the cousins any more of the spotlight during the podcast because I felt like it would, I didn't want to disappoint one of them. I didn't want, so yeah, I definitely felt that. Let, let me tell you, just for the next time you interview these guys, you should have them back because they are like dream entrepreneurs. If I could call them, I'd be the happiest woman on earth. But next time they're in, start giving one more attention than the other. That, you'll, then you'll really see the other guy come out. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That'll be a great episode for sure. Um, you know, I've interviewed so many, I've interviewed you so many times. Uh, it's been such a privilege. And some of the financial facts about your life that have surprised me is one, you don't spend money on first class plane seats. You like to fly coach, which I, I tell that story to people. And it's great. First of all, it's great. Like, bar talk like hey did you know that Barbara Corcoran doesn't fly first class and that no one ever believes me no wait 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 that's not entirely true when I have to pay the ticket I will not sure, buy a first sure. class here. it's triple the price what am I crazy exactly. and I don't want my children to learn that they can afford a first class ticket let them get their own goddamn oh I can't say that let them get their own job and pay their own ticket but when I have a client paying I'm always first class yeah of that's course. their money no problem at all and I eat as much as I could and I drink the free one. <laughs> You're asking for a doggy bag on the way out of the plane. You betcha. But let me give you my little hint on what I do in, in uh, coach. And I check blues, my favorite best seats. I think I get a little napkin, pretty napkin, really starched and pretty. And I use as a tablecloth. I bring cloth, pardon me. That's my New Jersey accent coming out. I bring perfect little hors d'oeuvres and I even go into that uh, hamburger joint that's at every airport, the great delicious one. And I buy a bottle of cold wine and I have a picnic. I feel so special. That's awesome. You better be in the terminal with the uh, with the Shake Shack. Is is Shake Shack? That's exactly right. Because they sell the mini bottles of wine, and the and the white's really good. It's always icy cold. Hmm. Mm. Okay, so you're a part of a community of spenders, Barbara. That arguably yes. doesn't need to worry about price tags. I mean, you are a bit price conscious, which I like. I like to uh, hear that. But so, but when you do make a purchasing decision. If price is not really the issue, what makes you want to buy something? If you're comparing two things, a product or a service, what makes you go for something versus not? Well, the first thing I ask and probably the main thing I ask is how often will I use it? I am just not wasteful. I don't mind spending a lot of money on a jacket that I'm going to wear on every flight, every rainy day. In fact, I recently, I don't even remember what I bought. I, I had the sales clerk take the tag off, take my credit card and not tell me cover up. So I signed it because I knew it was a pricey label. But why I went ahead with that purchase is I wear that beautiful jacket with the hood on every air, air flight I take. I wore it out yesterday in the rain. I had it on this morning. I'm going to wear the heck out of it. So if I get great use out of something, I will spend anything. But if I don't get good use out of it, I'm not going to spend a dime. Forget about it. It's so wasteful. I can't help but to think what a family could do with that money who didn't have the means. They would feed their family for a month on the cost of a designer jacket. And so I'm, I just don't have that freedom of thought to be able to go there unless I'm going to wear it and justify it. 
oh, I'm going to wear it. It's all right. It's okay to do this. And then I'm okay with spending the money. Yeah, you mentioned you bought a red dress or some sort of Gucci dress that you you yes, regret because you're like definitely the one with the little navy stripes on with the tie at the neck. You know what? I don't know. I I'm not going to blame it on a guy that helps me dress for TV. He said I'd wear it on Shark Tank and I look like a million bucks. Told me was I never wore it on Shark Tank and I feel so guilty. I only wore it twice. I'm not uh, I'm not wearing it anymore. And as we speak, that dress is in the box that I have labeled in my class called sisters you know i have i have uh, five sisters all of which except for one is exactly my my size so anything i don't use that goes out that season to my sisters and they're thrilled to get this oh stuff. perfect really. you could also sell it on consignment i'm sure that Why would, would I do that just well, tell the tell this tell them, make sure to tell everyone that i wore it if barbara's worn this oh, and they might, no. i'd rather see it. my sister smiling you know when we have our sister reunions which we do every other year Everyone comes in my old outfits. It's so much fun. That's I cute. Why I give that to you? I love that dress. That is really cute. <laughs> who are your role models or who is your role model? Do you have a role model? Uh, not really. You know, honestly, I mean, my mom was and she's been gone for five years, but I still lean on her. We all do in my family. It's like, what would mom say? What would mom do? And we even we even say that to each other when we're talking and in a, in a bind uh, because she was a great source of wisdom. And you know what? We don't know what she would say or do, but we guess it. We feel like we're right in our guesses. So I haven't found anyone, honestly. I'm not looking for anyone. I think I'm okay with what I got. I got the big... A uh, lucky break in life, a great mom, and then I got a great dad. I mean, how many kids could brag about that? So I feel like I've been well fed. Do you know what I mean? I think I'm okay now. Okay, as maybe I'm the role model now, maybe my own role model. But I think oh, about yeah. what my mom would do. Yeah. You're the North Star for so many people. Oh, that's you know that, right. No, that sounds foreboding. Sounds like a lot of responsibility. I would think people would make their own North Stars, right? Yeah, yeah, but you know, it's always helpful to have great role models and uh well you are you know for many reasons you're my role model but this is a this may be surprising to you but i'm i'm so obsessed with dancing with the stars oh, people who listen to this you. show know yeah. that i if i if i like that is my <laughs> dream i wouldn't have figured you would be one of those people my god i know right what's wrong with oh. me but tell me about your experience you have a couple minutes left i just want to get yeah. some behind the scenes from you and oh, behind me. the scenes few things you don't know about dancing with the stars i'm going to cut right to the chases when you're eliminated okay um i have the claim to fame i was the number one last season eliminated so i got myself a t-shirt had it printed number one and then you turn around the back and said eliminated so i made a joke of it because i had to return to dancing with the stars for the final episode and dance again when you were the number one loser oh. so easily done but here's what's interesting behind the scenes when you lose they tell you the night before pack a toothbrush and a change of clothes because if you lose tomorrow you have to get on a plane immediately you're not going back to your hotel and flying to new york to be on good morning america i got that memo like everyone else competing there and i thought ha how cute i'm not packing a toothbrush i'm not getting eliminated whoa i got eliminated and so they take you right off the set like i would say 30 seconds <laughs> you're off the set they track you down a secret door that I passed 
every day. I didn't even know it was a secret door. Down metal staircases in your high heels and your ball gown. Chuckety, 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 right down. And then they put you in an armored car. And I say armored, not because there's guns, but black windows, a big-ass car. What is this, Handmaid's Tale? My God. No, this is the truth. I'm telling you what happens. And then there's a guy in the front seat, like an FBI guy with an earpiece, doesn't say many words. He assures you get to the airport. I'm thinking, oh, he's guarding me. No, he just didn't want me to escape. Now, my dancing partner, my big, handsome, beautiful dance partner, only, what, 25 years old? I'm embarrassed in front of him. I made him lose because I can't dance. He's next to me. They push us into a jet blue flight into first class. They hold all the other people. We go through the back door at the airport to get to the flight on the runway. And then they let the other passengers. Next thing I know it, I'm waking up and my dance partner is saying, you know, you snore when you sleep. I was snoring all the way across. I was so exhausted. <laughs> then we go right to Good Morning America. And the first question is, how does it feel to be a loser? Oh, it was a oh great experience. Oh, my gosh. I love being a loser. That is, that's so, <laughs> it, it, I don't even know surreal, what to describe. Surreal. Yep, yep, yep. It was like. Very exciting. But guess what? They got the right girl for bouncing out because I am so comfortable being a loser. I've been a loser my whole life. And boy, do I know how to smile through it and bounce back up. And that's exactly what I did on Good Morning America. I acted like I was so happy. I was crying inside. Oh, it's an amazing experience. Amazing. I love being a loser. (laughs) Nobody could see through my act. I'm sure everybody, she's amazing. She's amazing. Then I went home and cried for two days. I was embarrassed. Not really. I cried for two minutes and then signed up for my next 10 dance lessons. Found a guy in New York and I've been dancing ever since oh. that's the upside to hanging in there wow that's it really impressive that's that just shows everybody who you are right well i'm not a great dancer but in my mind i still am a good dancer i don't care what the judges say huh and now i have no judges but me well you're a winner here you'll always be a winner on this show i we, love that we love you barbara congratulations i know you have to now go on to your next interview this is one of the shorter interviews i've done but per, okay but, but oh you're not even doing your so moment money moment and all the habit rituals i listened to you and I oh thank you well, right, another time yeah another time please please come back we'll do like a more formal so money interview but i really wanted to ask you all these uh these questions because and th- th- there's just so many things i want to know about you you're just and, a, and thank you very much for uh, p- promoting my podcast business unusual i really mean that uh and you shouldn't have done it because i'm going to tell you something i'm going to be your number one rival i'm you know what i'm i'm okay with that it's okay <laughs> okay good <laughs> it's going to a good person thanks so much barbara i love you bye-bye take care that's Barbara Corcoran for you. Her new podcast, again, is called Business Unusual, and you can also catch her on ABC's Shark Tank. If you have a question for me, guess what? You can go to somoneypodcast.com and click on Ask Farnoosh and send me your question. It's as simple as that. You can also go on Instagram at Farnoosh Tarabi. That's my handle. And send me a direct message there. Follow me, then send me a direct message. I will respond. I'm I think I've responded to everybody so far on Instagram. And if I haven't, remind me. It can get a little overwhelming at this point. I've been telling everybody to go to Instagram. And I've been managing, but uh, sometimes, you know, messages do fall through the cracks. So just wake me up to it if I haven't replied. But I try to get to everybody's question within 24 to 36 hours. I'm that obsessed with the gram. So looking forward to hearing from you at some point, somewhere, and thanks for tuning in. I hope your day is so money.